Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Can you hear me now? My name is Peter Hambry. I'm one of the leadership team here. And uh, in Tom's absence, I was asked if I could speak here this morning. So that was an interesting uh, hymn or song we just sang. Spirits of the living God fall afresh on me. Really good song to be singing in this series where we're going through the book of Acts. In one way, because focused on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us peace. On the other hand, it doesn't quite fit in with um, the subjects of this morning, the passage we're looking at, because the passage we're looking at, we're talking about a time of chaos in the early church. And the Spirit is there in the midst of that chaos and doing dramatic things. So the Holy Spirit... I don't think we know him the way we should in the many ways he works. So what was your reaction to uh, Greta Thunberg? You know, the activist, the uh, young woman, what, 16 years old? And uh, speaking about climate change and she made her way to Alberta. She's speaking right there (laughs) about... uh, Decreasing dependence on fossil fossil fuels. Quite a bold young woman, eh? I don't know if you thought about that, how bold she was. And uh, how about yourself? Are you a bold person? Are you a reticent person? You know, I'm shy in many ways. When I'm in new situations or when I'm with people who I see as superior to myself or uh, having authority in some way. So I've grown accustomed in some ways to speaking in front of churches. And so when you see me here, maybe I don't appear too shy to you or too. uh, But that's just because I'm familiar with it and I feel I can manage it usually. So I don't come across as shy, and perhaps I've changed a bit over the years too, in some ways. However, an area where I'm always nervous is when I'm witnessing. And uh, it usually takes a real effort for me to start, unless it's really presented to me in an obvious way, but that doesn't usually happen, does it? So, to turn the conversation in a way to bring people to Jesus, that's true even though I've been a missionary for many years. That didn't change the fact there's something there about doing that that I just find difficult. So, I don't think I have a gift of evangelism, but, but when I do share, yeah, there's often a response and God works. Interesting mixture. But that's... You know, maybe that's true for most of us, that really we'd like to be more of a witness, but 
it just seems hard for us to do. And uh, so this um, passage from the book of Acts that we're looking at today in chapter 4 is a fascinating challenge for me and probably for you also if you think that as one of God's people, as one of God's servants, you're not as bold a witness as you should be. And it's not just a challenge. It pours a whole lot of hope into that challenge as well. Hope for us. So the book of Acts here, it shows a transition, right, of the early Christian community from a group of people watching Jesus do miracles and teaching to servants of God empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the same. And we're challenged to wonder whether we should expect to see the same things among us today as we're kind of the, uh, as we follow on from that, despite our own weaknesses and feelings of inadequacy that we all feel as, as in this role. Seems to me that the movement of the spirits in Acts is rather like a waterfall coming down into Jerusalem. And the kind of waterfall I mean is something like this, right? That starts out small at the top and it, it increases towards the bottom. This is a waterfall near Jasper. It's lovely the way it spreads out, but you see at the top one stream, then there are a couple of streams. By the time it gets to the bottom, there are multiple streams and they just keep increasing. And that's the way the Holy Spirit was in Acts. We see the Holy Spirit move in Jesus to begin with. And then we begin to see him move through some of the early apostles, through Peter and John. And uh, then through to the whole community. And so let's uh, look at Acts 4, verses 5 to 22. And it shows a group of people who are beginning to walk in Jesus' footsteps. A people who don't mind upsetting the authorities in telling the truth. Some people who feel compelled to share what they've experienced and who felt very inadequate. And so they ask God to help them. So let's, let me read it to you. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? They're referring to the healing of the, um, of the cripple that we've heard about last week and the week before. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He's the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, 
ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So, one of the interesting things we see uh, in this passage is the disciples were following in Jesus' footsteps. Look at verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The Sanhedrin, this group of men in this court, this group of 70 people, they were astonished by Peter and John. They were astonished because these were people with no special schooling, no formal education in the rabbinical method of the teachers of the law, and uh, yet they were effectively expounding scripture to them and speaking quite boldly and confidently to them. Uh, they were astonished. And that's something that Jesus did, if you remember, again and again. The ordinary people just loved to hear him teaching, but the same things happened with the authorities. When they saw Jesus, they were amazed at the way he was able to speak. And it's, uh, you've got a, because uh, Jesus the same way, he hadn't been schooled in the special way, he'd just been schooled by the Holy Spirit. Same here. And so, there's an interesting kind of incident in John 7 that kind of illustrates this. And the, uh, the leaders sent the temple guard to go and arrest Jesus. And uh, after a while, the temple guard came back to the leaders. And uh, the leaders said, where's Jesus? And they said, well, no one teaches like this man. And... Uh, it was so powerful, they just felt they couldn't take him. He was just such a obviously great speaker and, and a teacher of the law. And so that's the kind of thing. So that's what was seen here, the Sanhedrin. Here were two men doing the same thing. Now this court had just put Jesus to death just a few weeks ago. They thought they'd got rid of that problem. But now they saw two people doing the same thing, teaching the resurrection. But then they realized these two men had been with Jesus. So they were following in Jesus' footsteps. They'd been with Jesus. They'd learned how to speak. 
Not just that, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, as Jesus was. And with that Spirit, then they were able to speak in the same kind of way. And there are lots of other ways in which we see these disciples following in Jesus' footsteps. They, um, you know, they viewed themselves as servants, as slaves of God. Maybe you picked that up, it comes up again and again. They received unusual fillings of the Spirit for special tasks. They did astounding miracles which couldn't be denied. They gathered crowds and taught powerfully and effectively about the resurrection. And later on they faced persecution and death. They were true disciples, clearly walking in Jesus' footsteps. Another important thing we see is that these first disciples were willing to upset the authorities in stating the truth and explaining themselves. They were bold. They taught in the temple, knowing their teaching about Jesus, when Jesus, the authorities had put him to death, would obviously get the authorities upset. And uh, I don't know if you've picked up, I think it was mentioned last week by Tom, you know, the majority of this court, the Sanhedrin, they were Sadducees, they were anti-supernaturalists, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And here was a group teaching about the resurrection. And uh, here they were before these authorities. And uh, Jesus had made a promise to the disciples. Do you remember? He said, when you brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you'll defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And that's exactly what we see happening here. We're told that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit as he began to answer the court. And uh, right, we just read, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. And then he proceeded to accuse the courts of putting Jesus to death in opposition to God, who then counted by raising him to life. Just like the previous speech to the crowd outside, where they said, you did this. You're the sinner. You sinned in putting Jesus to death. death. But God did this. He raised him to the dead. So Peter here speaking straight to the point in front of these people. uh, Speaking of the resurrection, which they denied. He was full of the Spirit and he boldly spoke the truth. You know, we've just seen several weeks of uh, politicians saying weird things. Well, they did. And the reason they did it because they didn't want to accept their own constituency. And in trying to avoid upsetting their core followers, they, they sometimes said weird things. At least that's the way it seemed to me, you know. And uh, it's uh, not so for Peter and John here, because of they were bold, but they were filled with the spirit of truth and the spirit of grace. And so what came out was truth, and it was said in a gracious way, and made total sense. The message had clarity and forthrightness, without anger, 
without viciousness. And uh, we don't know the individual responses of the people in this court, in the Sanhedrin, but at least they didn't put a severe penalty on Peter and John at the time. So they're following along in, in Jesus' footsteps. But then something else that I want you to notice in what was happening here. Peter and John felt compelled to share what they'd experienced. How did they put it? Um, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, right? So was that compulsion a result of being filled with the Spirit, or do you think it was just natural excitement? You know, maybe it was just the natural excitement. They'd seen some phenomenal things, and they were just so excited they couldn't keep their mouth shut. And uh, how do you react to that statement of Peter and John? You know, perhaps you understand the way he felt, that he was excited. You understand that he was, but you don't feel that way yourself. Perhaps you did at one time, felt excited about what Jesus had done for you, or excited about what the Spirit had done in your life, uh, but you're not sure you have that excitement right now. And uh, it's faded. You don't see much chance of regaining those early feelings that you had in those days. And uh, it just doesn't bubble up inside you into witness to the love and greatness of God. Right? Do you know what I mean? Or perhaps you do have such feelings, but you're just not bold enough to share with people. You're just not the witnessing sort. Uh, let's take a look now at the following next few verses. And they, uh, this group of verses really powerfully affect me because they, they're especially relevant to me as an ordinary inadequate believer. I'm not a Peter of that sort, even though I share the name, you know. Perhaps my mother was hoping I would be. And... Uh, But these verses show the way forward for us as ordinary believers into an overflowing life in the Spirit. That's something I want. But that nearly always seems a bit out of reach for me. So let's take a look at these verses. But first to set the stage. Jesus came. He came among us. He did some amazing things and wonders as the Son of God. And uh, then he was crucified in what seems like a very premature death. But before he died, he told his disciples that he would send his spirit to fill them, teach them, make them witnesses, and enable them to do great and wonderful things in his name. And then he rose from the dead, showing the kind of power that was at work in him and that he was making available for the disciples. And then some very interesting things happened as we're beginning to learn as we look at the book of Acts. The Spirit of God came and descended on the early believers. As promised, yes, and their lives began to look like the life of Jesus. So there was this miraculous healing 
that we heard about two weeks ago that Peter and John did. The miraculous healing, the way Jesus did miraculous healings. A man crippled from birth walked, danced and praised God. And then Peter spoke to the crowd that gathered. Again, that just looks like Jesus all over again. And hundreds this time and maybe thousands found new life. And, uh, and now we're moving a bit further down the waterfall as Peter and John speak to the Sanhedrin and then on the ordinary people. The Spirit of God is dividing, working through the apostles and now the firstly the ordinary people. The ordinary people who are now following Jesus. And that's the group that's met together. Let's read verses 23 to 31. So on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What a prayer meeting that was, eh? No, they were totally united in prayer. In fact, it reads, doesn't it, as though they were praying in unison. Uh, Maybe not, but maybe so. If so, it was a really extraordinary time of prayer. But it was extraordinary even if they weren't actually praying at the same time in unity. Because they were one in heart behind this prayer. And their response to the edict to stop speaking about Jesus and resurrection was first to acknowledge that God is in control of everything. He's the one who is in control. And he's in control of the current situation. And then they ask for great boldness to share God's message, despite that being forbidden under this new regulation. So here is why I like this prayer so much. It's easy to think of the new believers as being so excited, so full of the Spirit, that they just automatically shared the message as they went out and the message, the gospel spread through the world just kind of automatically. And that it was easy for them and the Christian community grew in a way it couldn't grow today. Because we know, most of us, that we're not like that. We'd like our fellow acquaintances, our fellow workers and our relatives to come to Christ. We're just reticent to talk to them. 
a bit shy because witnessing isn't our thing. Perhaps it comes naturally to some believers, those with the gift of evangelism, but uh, we're not among them. I keep waiting for the right opportunity, but it doesn't come. Or I recognize after the facts. Oh, there was an opportunity. Why didn't I speak? Then I wonder what would have happened if I'd shared. That happens to me all the time. So we need boldness, right? And even those early Christians needed it, especially if they were going to be the witnesses, as Jesus had said they would be. They knew that. They realized there was a problem and they did something about it. They prayed. And it's interesting they prayed for it, not individually, but in unity. It wasn't just individuals who prayed for boldness. They just, as a group, recognized we need boldness here. Holy Spirit, give us boldness. So do you agree that we also need boldness to tell? Yeah, I think so. So will you pray with me? For that? Will you pray for me for that? Will you pray for yourself for that? Will you pray for us as a community, as Ericsson Covenant Church, that not only will we serve the people in this community in the various ways we do, but more and more be able, have the boldness to speak and share the gospel when they, so that we can influence this place more and more. It's interesting this early group asked for something else as they were praying for boldness and that was seemed to be the central thing they were praying for as they were threatened. Um, but they also said stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant Jesus. Uh, God was doing those Miracles at that time, it, through Jesus he'd done them, and now he was been doing them through the apostles. And it seems that it was an important part of their witness. It opened up people to listen. And I've been wondering lately if that became less important as the Christian worldview spread. And was established in our civilization, but our civilization is changing. The worldview is disappearing, the Christian worldview is disappearing from it. And I just wonder if this in the new situation is more of a need for signs and wonders to get people to listen. I don't know if you've thought about that. Some of you maybe pray for those things anyway. But maybe we need to pray for those things too. And uh, to open up the way for witness. Anyway, do you notice what happened at the end of that prayer meeting? Um, if you caught it. The prayer for boldness was answered. And something caught my eye in the final verse. And that was, it said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God with boldness. Not just the evangelists, not just the leaders, 
It's like the bottom of the waterfall with the spirit now flowing in hundreds of streams through everyone, everyone in that community of believers. So let's pray for us as a church that that'll happen. And uh, let's do it together in unity, in unison, right? When we have the opportunity, when we meet for prayer as a church, let's do it. And let's just do it now, if that's okay with you. Let's do it. Almighty God, we recognize that you're in control of this world in every part of it, just the way you were during that prayer meeting so long ago, when the people were under threat, and uh, yet they had the message of a new life of Jesus Christ. And they asked you to give, make them bold, bold to share the word. And you did something amazing as that movement spread out, through that city of Jerusalem and then far beyond it in a surprisingly short time. Lord, we ask you to give us the boldness. We feel so shy so often. We just don't know how to start as we share the gospel. And you are very precious to us. We just don't know how to do that. And uh, we need your boldness. So, Lord, we pray you'll fill us with your spirit to give us that boldness. Every one of us here, not just those who have the special gift of evangelism, all of us, we pray that it will become a characteristic of this church. Pray, Lord, you'll give us an openness to, to listen to your spirit and uh, so that then we can use the boldness you give. Lord, we pray that you'll make a change among us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged, too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.